Welcome to the Learning Capacity Podcast, where we explore stories from around the world. We hear from educators, parents, students, entrepreneurs and scientists about innovations that help make learning easier and more successful. I'm your host, Peter Barnes. Our podcast guest today is Cheryl Chia, a Singapore-based mother of two young girls, author of a book titled Fit Brains Learn Better, a chronicle of 12 years of brain fitness training, and the founder of BrainFit, a service which focuses on helping children from birth to 18 years old develop a learning advantage by strengthening their brain fitness and intelligence. What drove Cheryl to find the time, energy and enterprise to build BrainFit from its original single location in Singapore to a network of 26 centres in eight countries across Asia and the Middle East? And what has she been able to achieve for the children who attend the BrainFit programs and for their parents as well? Hello, Cheryl. You're a paediatric physiotherapist who has been working with children for the last few decades and you've you've specifically and remarkably developed an approach to early learning based around a neuroscientific model and um, and you've established centers of your practice across multiple countries can you tell us about what you're doing please yeah, first of all, Peter, thank you so much for inviting me to be on this show and um, to be able to share an area, you know, that I'm really quite passionate about. So how I, I really started my, my work in neuroscience is when I, I just was a freshly graduated uh, physiotherapist and I started work in the, in the children's hospital. And at the time, I was working with uh, prematurely born infants. And one of my jobs is I would have to go to the ICU every day and to ensure that these uh, very tiny little brains, you know, very vulnerable at that time, uh, were going to be developing well, that these kids will grow up to be a bride, you know, able to learn well and, um, and do well in school like the other kids. So that really, you know, started my whole interest in um, brain development aside, you know, looking at the musculoskeletal system as a physiotherapist. And of course, we now know that the body is very much connected to the brain. So um, that started my work. And after I left the hospital, you know, I continued to be very interested in how the connection, especially between um, the body and the brain. So the early work we were doing, uh, we're looking at using physical exercises and helping school-going kids uh, learn better. So we were actually uh, giving uh, kids uh, physical movement activities and then tracking their school results. And we saw very nice gains. And this was uh, already, you know, published research in other countries that that has shown this relationship. So that really inspired me. Uh, uh, to keep going. So really um, branching out from uh, physiotherapy or physical activity. And then, you know, as, as we went along the way, I started working with speech language uh, therapists and then I learned about auditory processing and how uh, that connects to uh, language development and reading. And then I learned about, you know, using neurofeedback to improve the attention system. And that's how I, you know, BrainFit really evolved into a holistic uh, cognitive training center. 
So this is really interesting. And yeah, people, most people regard physiotherapists as people who deal with the body, but you've, you've moved way beyond the body into the mind, into the brain, and you're putting the two together. Yes. Yeah, uh, but the, yes, uh, but the reality is that there is a huge connection between the body and the brain, and and there's more and more research uh, that's uh, coming up now in this area where we now know that you know um, exercises where you know if your heart rate is going up, you know through aerobic work, it's actually uh, driving the growth of brain cells. So and that's 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 really uh, wonderful, uh, especially if you think about you know building a fitter or more capable brain. So that really requires uh, more brain cells growing and branching, and not only that, but connecting as well. So we use the physical element to really uh, drive some of these growth, and then we use mental exercises uh, to facilitate uh, this connectivity. So yes, yeah, so so physical, um, uh, you know, the body from the way I see it, it is it cannot be disconnected uh, from the brain so it's really uh, one system but it's it's doing different things to the brain I, I personally believe that humans are born to move it's just that you know with civilization our, our lifestyle has become extremely sedentary and I'm not sure that's a good thing uh, because when we move uh, in good you know healthy neurochemicals are released so it's making us you know more focused to be able to do a uh, better and faster in our work Yes, yeah, so I mean, in, yeah, in I find that extremely interesting. Right? <laughs> I hope you do too. It is absolutely interesting, and just just one thing that uh, happened just the last day or so here in, in Australia. There's some reporting that uh, uh, the teenage girls are so sedentary, hours and hours and hours, according to this research, anyway, a mm. day just mm -hmm. sitting, which really can't be good for their learning capacity, I imagine, based on what you're saying. No, um, and you know, apart from all the great neurochemicals that are released when you're out and about and moving, uh, the other thing is when, when you're actually outdoors, you know, especially, you know, or, or doing big movement activities where you're kind of out and about, right? Uh, your, your visual system is very different from your sedentary. Uh, when you're sedentary, typically you're looking, you're doing kind of like closed vision work, right? You're looking up at uh, the gadget, you know, most of the time for teenagers now, or, uh, or on a book or on paperwork but when you're really moving your body uh, the the eyes are, are scanning the environment a lot more and and that's really impacting the the spatial part of the brain as well you know the spatial thinking processing of information that's that's really coming in from from scanning and and of course we know one of uh, the research that actually pertains to the other spectrum you know the other end where we're talking about the elderly one of the the things that they lose is this um peripheral, you know, scanning ability. So I think it's something uh, that's very important. I, I, I don't think it's a healthy thing, you know, where where any any population is spending extended amount of time um, being sedentary. Well, in our society here in Australia, more and more people are living in apartments, which um, they don't have the traditional um, backyard for a kid to run around. And I imagine up in Singapore and other parts of Asia, uh, living is similarly apartment-based. So how do kids, and, and adults for that matter, but particularly children, because we, we want to talk about early learning here in this discussion if we can, how, how, do, how do children, young children, get to get this gross motor movement you're talking about and get the benefits of that? 
you raise a really good point, Peter, um, because uh, I, I went to school in Australia and I remember coming back and commenting that, my goodness, you know, I mean, we I live in Singapore. It's a, it's a highly uh, dense city. Uh, most of the people are in high rises and there isn't a backyard for most families. And, and you're right. So um, children, uh, very young children, um, often do not get the, the, the amount of movement that, you know, a child with a trampoline in the backyard or, you know, a, you know, a tree to climb or something, you know. So the amount of exposure, it's, uh, it's, it's really limited uh, for, for kids certainly growing up uh, in a density like Singapore. And I imagine, you know, if Australia moves in that direction where more and more, uh, where the cities become denser and people start to live in apartments more, yes, I think the opportunity to be outside, to be out and about, um, will be more limited. And, and that's especially important for young children because, I mean, if you look at a young child, how do you how do you learn about, you know, the left side and the right side? And, and you know, taking an example like just reading, right, like differentiating the letters of Bs and Ds. Of course, that's a, a visual activity. You know, you've got to be able to see a bubble to the left or the, a bubble to the right. But all that's kind of anchored uh, you know, around you getting the concept of the left and right. So that's an internal sense, right? So as we move around for a very young infant, for a very young child, as they're exploring with their arms, with their body, this internal sense, you know, uh, through all the muscle senses, the touch senses, they develop and then we build that body sense. And and you can imagine, you know, if, if kids don't have the opportunity to, to crawl, to run, to jump, um, then there is a, a less... Um, less opportunities for these networks to be developing. So I think um, it's an important issue. And, and I suppose that's why there is a growing interest in brain fit as well, uh, because uh, kids come and then, you know, so we, we make them do these exercises uh, that are really uh, useful uh, and we give them the opportunities to expose uh, the brain um, um, to, to these uh, exercises and, you know, and, and, and activities and tasks so that these networks uh, will have, the, these brain networks will have the opportunity uh, to grow and develop. So absolutely, this is of great value for young kids. And the extreme example of where they, what happens if they don't get this um, activity and development that you're talking about, I don't know if you remember some years back, um, with the collapse of the Soviet Union, one of the Eastern Bloc countries, um, they discovered um, orphanages there where kid, young kids were just basically left in cots with no stimulation, no interaction, you know, very little movement, um, and those kids had severe uh, adverse um, cognitive results as a, as a, as a consequence of that. Uh, so that, that, that's a, an extreme example of what can happen if you, you don't get what you're talking about. And I imagine there are parents who, whose children uh, get incidentally the sort of things you're talking about, but you're actually deliberately... Um, de delivering, de develop, designing, developing, and delivering these um, early learning beneficially uh, uh, activities. Correct. 
Yeah, um, um, that's right. And uh, I mean, my journey, you know, we were helping school-going kids to improve their performance, you know, through through uh, physical and cognitive development. And what really got me um, into the early uh, childhood, you know, where we are really developing, uh, deliberately developing activities uh, to make sure that infants, toddlers, you know, are getting um, um, these kinds of opportunities to develop is when I had my own child. So, um, you know, I have two girls. So Isabel is seven now. So about, you know, uh, seven years ago or eight years ago, you know, when when I had Isabel, I started looking at what was out there, you know, uh, uh, what was available to, to, to help you know, a, a child, a young girl growing up in a high-rise in Singapore, a develop. And, and I was actually astounded, you know, that when I started looking at, um, you know, some of these uh, programs, of course, they were very nice, you know, baby gym kind of programs. And, um, and but there was, uh, I was also interested in the mental aspect, aside from the, the physical um, development, because research, research has also indicated quite clearly that uh, babies are born quite intelligent. I mean, they can't talk, they can't really control themselves against gravity, but they are certainly uh, processing information. And that's how they acquire language, you know, after the first uh, 18 months, they're able to put words together, right? And so the thinking process is already happening. So I was, I was looking at, you know, the physical aspect and the mental aspect. And what I found uh, was very nice baby gym programs, but the mental aspects, uh, you know, involve uh, a lot of road memorizing, rapid flashcards, you know, of the kids were, you know, all kind of marketed under right brain training. And this was certainly uh, where in Singapore, you know, where I was um, at the time. And, and now as well. And um, and I was really quite uh, um, uh, baffled. And, uh, and and of course, I, I did not agree that road memorizing was the way to go for a very young infant. And um, uh, because play has emerged uh, from research as, as the best brain builder, right? So when you're playing, you have the physical aspect, but you're also problem solving. You're also imagining, you know, you're also uh, interacting with others. So there's lots of uh, uh, rich um, experiences that are going on, you know, uh, for a young child. And, and of course, play is a very common word, but when you, you really look at people play, and that includes, you know, my husband, right? So if I look at my husband play with my girl, you know, what would he do, right? So the, if my little girl says, oh, daddy, play with me, you know, I, you know, and they're playing with the puzzle, right? So daddy comes in and daddy says, okay, I'll play with you. And then daddy ends up, you know, putting the puzzle all together. And then my little girl is watching, right? Or uh, daddy will be uh, kind of there and then, and then uh, Isabel's kind of putting the puzzle and then and then the husband's kind of now on his handphone, you know, just kind of there, but not really there, but they think it's a play session, right? So, and then I'm looking at the toys and how there's so much toys that are entertaining, you know, uh, with lights and sounds, you know, rather than really uh, uh, providing the enriching experiences uh, for, for these young children. So that was when I, I really thought that it would be quite beneficial if we put together uh, something that's very deliberate, um, you know, from all the spatial movement exercises, crawling through the tunnels, you know, uh, all the balance and stable surfaces, you know, to all the fine motor, you know, critical thinking, remembering uh, uh, different things to solve problems, you know, using imagination uh, into a, a, a kind of guided play, you know, program where parents can can be themselves guided 
to use this this um, um, little uh, formula, you know, something that they can just pull out of the bag without them having to scratch their heads and, you know, think about, you know, what toy are they going to buy, you know, what, what how are they going to play with their child. So something that really guide them to, to think of play in a more structured way, to have more kind of options and ideas uh, in their daily interaction with the child to, to, to you know, take advantage of this uh, very unique and precious uh, growth spurt that's going on in the brain. So for, for our listeners, you've um, deliberately designed programs or an approach which which let's let's call it the brain fit approach uh and you're and i i understand you've got some a, a thing you call the, the five plus three equals eight power formula uh five brain yes. fitters, three modes of learning um for, for lifelong iq and eq benefits um can you just tell us a little bit about that and also about um what brain fit is what you've done uh, and do parents need to bring their children to you or can they do some of this at home or all of it at home? Where, where are your brain fit studios? In what countries? And what ages? What, how, how young do you start? There's a lot of questions here. <laughs> but... Yeah, <laughs> I'll try and get through them. So, um, our, yeah, so, so we have a power formula that really describes uh, our work, you know, in a one-liner. So the 5 plus 3 equals 8 uh, power formula is, is what we use to describe our work at BrainFit. So 5 represents the 5 uh, brain pillars, the, the 5 core areas of neural networks that we're interested in building. So that's the movement network, uh, visual processing, auditory processing that affects language, and then there is the focus and your working memory that's kind of sitting at the front of the brain and then your emotional development that um, you know uh, determines your, your EQ you know your emotional intelligence your social skills your resilience and all that so that's the five brain pillars and and we use three so the plus three the three stands for the three ways the three methods that we we typically use uh, to improve these networks so the first would be physical exercises if I, as i've described earlier uh, number two will be uh, mental exercises um, to allow us to make these brain cells that you know we've we've tried to grow and to connect together and then the last would be emotional coaching so that's building the iq the, the thinking the problem solving parts of the brain and also um, the parts of the brain that helps us to regulate our emotions, manage our behaviours, motivate ourselves, you know, have more willpower and resilience. So that's the three. And then the eight outcomes. So we have kind of like summarised that into an acronym. The eight's really smartest for the smartest brain. So S is for speed of processing. M is memory. A is uh, attention. R is reasoning. T is timing and coordination. And the last EST all uh, grabs the EQ function. So that would be uh, emotional regulation, social skills, and the last T for tenacity. So something easy to remember. So this is uh, really, um, yeah, what we do. So we, we build the brain in very specifically in each of the areas. We look at exercises and how each one of them impacts each part of the brain. Uh, we personalize the exercise as much as we can through the three modes. And, uh, and then we expect, uh, the child to improve. So, um, on how we deliver our studio. So, right now, uh, BrainFit is in um, eight countries, coming coming to nine now. Uh, so, that would be Singapore, Malaysia. Uh, we are in Thailand. We are in Indonesia. 
we are in Turkey. We will be opening um, this summer, uh, quite soon in a few months, in China and Saudi. And we're also in Hong Kong, not um, not as, as a studio, but we work with schools in Hong Kong. So that these are the countries we are in. And typically, if you come into a BrainFit studio, we offer programs. Uh, if you have a young child from as young as nine months, uh, then you can bring a baby in. So we have a, a, a BrainFit baby program that caters to babies from nine months to 36 months is a play-based program. Uh, it's guided play where the parent comes in together with the child. And our intention is, uh, as I've mentioned, to let parents have ideas to understand a play and how to maximize the, the effects of play. So so the 20 minutes that you're really having a good quality playtime with, uh, with your child, how you can maximize it uh, to the brain, you know, to your child's, uh, you know, to, to, to maximize your child's potential and growth and, of course, have fun at the same time. So we also um, support parents through, uh, yeah, we also support parents through uh, of weekly videos. So parents also get a two-minute video every week when they're on this program because aside from the class, and sometimes it's hard for parents to, to really in class as well. So we send out these little videos to give them more uh, understanding and it's like a little, you know, parenting curriculum almost, They're very short, very bite-sized so it's easy for parents and with uh, further hope ideas on what they can do. So that's uh, the Brain Fit Baby program. So can I, I would, ask uh, a quick question there, yeah? Just a quick question. Sure. Starting at nine months, there are people uh, I know who would say, oh, at nine months there's nothing, the baby's brains are not developed enough to really take any sort of um, instruction, but clearly your research uh, and experience says that's not the case. Yes, and, and I'll give you an example of uh, quite a recent research. It was really interesting. So the, the scientists were looking at very young infants. I think these were like six-month-old infants, all right, maybe six to nine months. So certainly very young. And they were just looking at how these babies would interact with blocks. All right, so we're talking about building blocks. And why do scientists look at blocks? We look at blocks because block play is important and useful. And we know that uh, children who engage more in structured block play actually uh, do uh, do better in math. All right, So, so uh, math is a very spatial or visual subject. So um, structured block play is encouraged because it builds parts of the brain uh, that supports math learning. So that part we know. So scientists wanted to look at how babies would be engaging with blocks. And already at six uh, to, to nine months, they, they already see a difference. They see a difference in the amount of time. So these babies are very young, but the scientists observe how some babies would choose to look at the blocks more, would choose to interact with the blocks more, but other babies uh, would not show as much interest. So they might move away, you know, they, they would spend less time looking at these blocks or interacting with them. And, and to understand, Stand like early motivation, right? So you could say that, oh, some baby, my babies like blocks or my babies don't. So parents might use this kind of language. But when the scientists uh, uh, did brain scans on these uh, these babies, just to understand what's driving that behavior, they found that um, the children who spend more time looking at the blocks and uh, engaging uh, with these toys actually had stronger, uh, the areas that was um uh, co corresponding to mental visualization or mental rotation, which is the, the math area that I, I mentioned earlier, was actually much more active. So we're talking about already a, a fitter muscle. You know, I, I like to have parents think about these brain networks, these abstract brain networks as kind of like muscles. So these are little brain areas that are supporting this task, which eventually supports math, is already active and working for certain kids. And that's why they, they're interested in the blocks and they play more. And remember that the 
a muscle, you know, the brain is like a muscle, Peter. So as these kids are engaging more and playing more and more with blocks, that area actually builds up more and more. So that these young babies are, yeah, in, in a sense, building all these wonderful foundations that will support them when they go to school, formally, and learn math. So now you have the other group of kids that were really not very interested. So they would, you know, not look at the blocks for a long time or not play with the blocks. So what typically a parent would do, and that's very natural. You would think that, oh, my kids don't like the blocks. You know, that's just not something he's interested in. And then we, we store the blocks away in the storeroom, right? Or we put them away and we think, oh, my, my baby likes to play with cars, perhaps, or maybe soft toys. And I'll buy more of them because we want to make baby happy. We want to go along with what baby likes. And that's a very natural parental instinct. But if you look at the signs, right, and, and understanding that the brain is a muscle, so what can we do now? What, what should we do? So uh, our philosophy is really is really that you don't put away the blocks, even more so for the children are kind of not able to find pleasure, motivation in it. So, but of course we don't, you know, kind of uh, force feed, you know, and, and force a child to do anything. Play has got to be fun for it to be effective in the brain. So the question then really becomes, why is, you know, little Johnny not interested in the blocks? You know, is it because these blocks are too big for his little hands to manipulate or too small, you know? Or is it because he's not having the fine motor skills yet? What can I do? You know, maybe I just need to do more of, you know, dropping uh, little uh, objects back into a container, maybe practicing the hand release, you know, before little Johnny can kind of like, you know, uh, uh, manipulate the blocks more, uh, more successfully so the enjoyment can come. So that's what we're interested in, looking at what's really useful and beneficial and what's already happening, you know, from, from very early on. You know, we just don't know, but we see behaviours. And then to kind of respond to a young child with more appropriate kind of play, uh, you know, so still fun, but really guided in, in, in understanding that something is fun. It's like parents when they tell us, right, oh, my child doesn't really like, uh, is not interested. When I read a book, my child crawls away. So, but then, so do you keep the book? You don't, you know, because we, you know, we have to develop the love for, love, for reading. And we know that a child who starts formal school, with a love for reading has a huge academic advantage, you know, because how the number of words they're going to learn, just the vocabulary they're going to be exposed to for a child that's reading for pleasure. It, it's so much more than a child who is not reading or who has to be forced to read. So if, if a young baby is crawling away and a parent is saying that, oh, I've stopped reading because my child's not really listening, we don't tell the parent, to, oh, that's fine, you know, just don't read. We'll say that, no, let's, let's keep going, you know, we want to build that muscle. Let's kind of understand why is little Johnny not, not enjoying the reading session? Is it because there are too many distractions around when you're reading? Is the TV on? Is our gadgets around? Are there too many toys lying around? How about going to a quiet room, right? How about making the book more interesting? How about making buying board books a child can manipulate? So we want to make something which we think it's interesting, which is we think it's important, and then to make it in in a fun way uh, for the child. So that's what we are really interested in doing, Peter. I hope all this makes sense. <laughs> yes, it does. It does, Cheryl. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things I'm, I'm hearing <laughs> as you're talking is that for this age group, you're uh, working with the child, but you're also really delivering a lot of education to the parents, which um, yes. it, it seems yes. to be quite and different, really... different to a lot of approaches. Yeah, so I think that's really important because, I mean, the babies can come to us once a week, right, for an hour, and of course we can have good quality, you know, 15 minutes to 60 minutes of play, but the child's spending time every day with the parents, and we are talking about neurons connecting, a thousand neurons connecting every second, 
during this 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 period of rapid brain growth, you know, especially in the first three years, right, where a lot of uh, brain uh, important brain networks are being laid down. So I think there's also there's a lot of opportunity. Um, so yeah, and, and so if there's a parent who is with a child and spending a lot of time with the child, and a lot of parents also tell us that they don't know what to do. You know, they run out of ideas uh, of things that they can do. So so so. This is really um, us wanting um, to, number one, engage parents and, and, and let them know that the brain is really like a muscle and this is what the science is telling us and that the babies are really quite uh, available to, to, to interact and learn uh, if, if we know how to, you know, and learning must always, and play must always be fun. So, but also giving them the ideas and, and the tools uh, practically, you know, things that can be carried out. Uh, easily uh, in a home, right? Like you can use pasta pieces, do not do do threading, you know, just kind of like, uh, I think it's information you can find on the internet, of course. Uh, so, uh, but uh, we, we have very busy parents, uh, certainly in Singapore. So a lot of them appreciate that uh, kind of um, us putting it in, in neat packages. Um, so, yeah, but, but nothing parents can't research and do on their own. I mean, there's a lot of good information uh, out there on the internet. So I think what we've really done is to kind of curate this information and, and to make it easier for parents. I think that's very valuable. And of course, Cheryl, that's very yeah. valuable because you just mentioned that parents are busy. They're very busy. And for them to sort through the massive information that's out there on the web and make decisions about what's valid and what's not valid, what's useful and not, not, and not useful, having someone yes. like you who's an expert, who's, who's spent a lot of time researching this, you understand it, be a guide, be a curator, um, I'm sure is very helpful. Yes, so so that's really our, our goal for our Brain to Baby program. Great, and then you have um, the same brain fit neuroscientific approach for older kids, don't you? Yeah, that's yes. right. So for um, for kids that are past three, so they go into our junior program. Mm -hmm. So where uh, we we have a more structured kind of training program, uh, we're now really preparing them a little bit more. Uh, for school now, so we're looking at attention span, working memory, and uh, again, all, all fun, right? But really building up these processes where would be important when they start school, when they go to, into a big classroom and they have to be seated and to be, you know, uh, paying attention for more extend, more extended uh, durations of time. Um, and then following that for kids. Um, from seven and uh, really six years old, you know, late six and above, uh, up to uni students come to us as well. Uh, so we have a kind of intensive uh, rewiring a program, a brain booster. So things get a little bit more intensive where we use a very personalized exercises uh, designed for every child uh, after an, an assessment, and a one-on-one -on -one assessment to see where are the gaps, uh, where are the different muscles that uh, are strong. So we want to tell parents what are the strong areas they want to exploit as well. Uh, but what are the, the weak areas that could be potentially contributing to careless behaviors, inattentive behaviors, you know, kids who are not motivated for school who are really uh, putting in excessive effort, you know, but getting very average returns and kids are getting demotivated and all that. So really trying to solve some of these um, uh, challenges uh, and making easy, uh, uh, you know, so the attempt is to really uh, make learning more fun and more effective and more successful for the children uh, through building up some of these uh, cognitive processes or brain muscles, as I like to call them. For parents who are bringing their children to you who are beyond the, the baby group, uh, are they mainly coming uh, because they want to give their kid the best possible chance, a, a boost, uh, i.e. sort of enhancement, or, or is, there a, is the main cohort 
a remedial group. There's some problem that the parents. That's have. a really, yeah, that's really, really, a uh, really good question. When we started out, you know, about 20 years ago now, uh, Brainfit's a step old, uh, we were certainly working with a group of kids who were interested in uh, remedial um, exercises. So where kids come in, you know, they, they might be failing, not doing well in school, you know, have attention deficit disorder. Yeah, so some of them might come in with a diagnosed learning difficulty or dyslexia, you know. Um, so really having a quite a much more bigger struggles in the in the learning journey but uh, that continues to be the case so we still have that group of kids coming in but more and more I think it's just with increasing awareness that uh, brain training it's really uh, it's more it's closer to uh, physical training nowadays where some of the parents have that kind of mentality now and that's really the the advice that we're telling parents to look at the brain really like an organ, you know, that, that we need to nurture and look after. Uh, that means the food we eat, how much we're sleeping, how much time we're spending on gadgets. It's all impacting on this very important organ, you know, perhaps in ways that we don't even know. I think people need to know that and to start looking after it, like looking after our heart. And, and just like, you know, we know that if we run on the treadmill three or four times a week, you know, 20 minutes uh, to 30 minutes each time, we can prevent a heart disease. We can actually, you know, uh, strengthen the heart, cardiac muscles. Uh, we now know that the brain responds to exercises very much uh, like a muscle. So, um, so we're more and more emphasizing the idea of brain health and uh, where you can boost learning. Uh, where you can make learning uh, more efficient, where, you know, spending the same amount of time, uh, perhaps learning could be faster, information could stick better. So we, we are starting to see the group of parents come in where, you know, kids are doing reasonably well, um, but they are hoping that by um, sharpening, you know, attention span or uh, memory, you know, the child can, uh, can can spend less time, you know, academically. And in Asia, you know, our kids do spend uh, quite a lot of time on schoolwork, all right? So um, so parents are hoping that uh, they can be more balanced and more time for sports, you know. And, and also, um, when we're building up the brain, it's not just for academic as well, you know, because when you res- improve speed and, and, and of processing, for example, and coordination, right? So not only your planning uh, improved, but we, we see kids doing better in sports as well so so more and more parents are, are beginning to understand the brain um in in a more kind of health, uh, kind of idea so so they they we, we have parents that that uh, certainly from 20 years ago they're starting to change i wouldn't say that that's mainstream i really think it would uh, still be the parents who are more aware who perhaps have uh, you know spent more time reading about it in this area who perhaps have had a direct you know experience uh, with some of the family members reporting some of the changes or their psychologists themselves so um but yeah but we continue to to want to educate the parents that the message of um of enhancing the brain and, and training the brain it's just really uh, for everyone you know even the adults you know that that we can sharper you know everyday functioning and and we could save time and, and be happier you know uh, as a result happiness yes i mean you know some cynics might say oh yes sure that's all very well cheryl you um, um developing these geniuses or these young high <laughs> high uh, cognitive achievers but are they happy uh, do you, you know, yes <laughs> they are <laughs> yes do i have a, do i have 
take on, on, on that, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I absolutely have a huge take on that. You know, while um, while the, the, the clear definition, right, the clinical definition of cognition, it, it's very hard, you know, kind of like the, the academic right pathways, the, the critical thinking, problem solving, you know, the school kind of pathways. In At BrainFit, when we talk about a fit brain, we very much include uh, the emotional aspect. Because to, to us, a fit brain is a brain that is, of course, able to remember well, pay attention well, you know, do all the hard work kind of well. But it's really also the, the software, the state of which you are, you are doing all that. And we know from research that you can't, you can't, you can't talk about performance without including uh, that as well. Because you know that when a child is interested and motivated and self-driven, how much more neurochemistry, how much more positive uh, neurochemistry is that actually facilitates the, the rewiring that we are after. So one is not detached from the other. So if I have a child that's kind of dragging his feet to brain fit and saying, oh, I'm going to do all these exercises again, my coaches, and we know that, no, we're not going to get you know, good results. And it's, it's not the right thing at all because we want the child to be interested in what they're doing and, and that itself, you know, is an important criteria for, for success in, the, in brain training. But at the same time, brain training is not a walk in the park. And I, I also have, you know, the feel that um, we the kids are constantly being entertained, right? And I think a part of the, the, the issue is the gadgets, right? We live in an IT, you know, where in a technological world where there's instant gratification on every front. You know, you're bored with a channel, you switch, right? So so brains are not very uh, good with um, uh, enduring boredom, you know? So, and, and brain fitness is a little bit like physical training where you're running on the treadmill. Now, running on the treadmill is not very fun, right? But you still do it, right? You do it because you feel better afterwards. And it, it, it helps to function well for the rest of the day. So we tell the children kind of that message as well. Look, there are things that are hard work. And hard work is important, you know. I mean, getting a law degree is going to be hard work, right? Or any degree for that matter, right? You've got to read, you've got to do boring stuff, right? So so there's time for that and we want to put our heart into it. So it's all not all fun, but we're going to have fun afterwards. So we teach our children really how to think about the Brain, when emotions come, when frustrations come, when boredom come, how do we deal with it? Because there will be boring things, and boring things are not necessarily bad, you know, bad things, you know, we don't always have to be entertained. So we, we, we teach the kids that there's a time to relax and chill and have fun, but there's also a time to sit down and really, you know, just, just bite the bullet and do the hard work, uh, you know, because in work and in life, you know, there are chores uh, that they are not very fun, but there needs to be done. So to really let them understand how the brain works and not to be subjected to be the, the emotions that they have, but to really be a master of the emotions. So we have a strong EQ component. So emotional coaching is a big, big part for us in brain training, where we are, we are literally teaching the children about how the brain works, how emotions come about, why are they emotions, how emotions are all fine. Emotions tell us what we want, but uh, emotions may not always be accurate. Our thought processes may not be always be accurate, right? So how can we think in more positive ways? How can we manage our emotions more positively so that we don't become the slaves, you know, that we're, we're kind of like just angry or we're, we're bored and we're lashing out, or we're sad, but really being in control, right, and, and being in charge through understanding how the brain works. And of course, you know, we have fun in our brain training. We celebrate after the kids have put in hard work and we have the high fives and the rewards. 
us, you know, and we want the positive brain chemistry to really uh, encourage that them, you know, after doing hard work. So that's really uh, our philosophy. And, and, and no, I, I would say that being happy, uh, it's, it's a big ingredient. Uh, if we want success, uh, uh, you know, in performance, ultimately in life. Cheryl, you're doing such wonderful work, such valuable work. Uh, clearly, you're passionate about it. I can, I can hear your passion and your uh, knowledge come through in everything you say. We could keep going for a long time, I know, and still not get anywhere near the edges of your knowledge and your experience. Uh, so we're going to have to call, call, call a halt at some stage. So let's, let's before we do that, can I just ask you, uh, are there one or two or three maybe um, examples you just could let us have, let our listeners hear of kids who've gone through your early learning programs and made significant gains, big transformations, or um, what, can you, what can you tell us about that before we finish up? Yes, so, and uh, a lot of these feedback, of course, from very young babies or very young uh, children, they will be parents giving us that kind of feedback. So uh, I, I would encourage you to visit our Facebook, all right? <laughs> uh, so it's BrainFit SG, and you can watch the videos there where parents actually share um, how the kids have responded. So uh, uh, kids who have been through our babies program, parents have reported that their language acquisition has been better, and they see that, uh, you know, kids are, are learning faster, and um, and for the older kids who go to school, you can see some of the videos where the kids themselves are reporting uh, some of the effects. So we've got a child talking about how uh, we've really helped him to control his emotions so that when he is now, you know, looking at his friend's play, but he's got a task to do, he tells himself, let me finish this task first, then I go and play. And, and he thinks he attributes that to how we have really um, con- helped him to control his emotions so that he's better able to uh, manage his own actions and his behaviours. So we've got other videos of kids talking about how the academic results have improved uh, because they're able to remember better. Uh, so uh, schools become uh, easier for them. Yeah, so, so uh, you know, uh, the, brain, the brain controls all of them. You know, so much that we do, right? From how we feel to how we think and how we, you know, make decisions. So when you impact this uh, muscle, you know, at a very uh, kind of biological level, you can see improvements coming up on many, many fronts. And that's that's the one reason why I I continue to love, you know, the work that I do. Because uh, there's so many stories that you can hear, you know, from people who have been through that. And um, it's always kind of different. And... um, yeah, yeah, but uh, but but my takeaway after doing this for such a long time is that uh, if parents, if you have a child struggling, don't do not give up hope because the brain is like a muscle. Uh, brain training is not um, easy, or I wouldn't say that it's you know it's a quick fix. You, you come to us for two weeks and everything's going to be okay. That will be a false message. It's like running on the treadmill for weeks and um, months, right, can give you a stronger heart. So in the same way, if you're you're committed to uh, targeted brain exercises, you know, in a few months, you know, and you're committed to a, a routine, you can see the gains. And for, for very young, um, you know, parents with very young children, so if you have kids who are not interested in reading or in some of the th- good things, you know, that you want the child to do, keep doing that. Don't give up, right? So uh, build routines where you continue to make the activity fun and make sure that your environment is right for the child and you continue and you persevere i promise you right within one month 
the baby will be with you, you know, kind of enjoying the book together. And this is really from parents that have given us a feedback that if you persevere, you know, you do the right things, you keep things fun and, and the environment right, you can get there. Cheryl, that's so that would just, be just one. my last words. <laughs> Thank you so much for your last words. Thank you for giving that advice to parents. And if um, our listeners want to find out more about you and what you're doing, um, besides the, your Facebook um, page, BrainFit SG, is that correct? The Facebook, yes. Yes, BrainFit uh, Brain Studio SG. If I'm not wrong. BrainFit Studio. Okay. Uh, any other way yeah. they could they could contact you if they want to? Yeah, so we have a website, mm-hmm. so it's www.brainfit.com.sg, mm-hmm. so they can visit us there as well, or drop us uh, an email if they have any questions, so that would be uh, info at uh, brainfit.com.sg. Okay, wonderful, Cheryl. Thank you so much for your time, for your enthusiasm, energy, and sharing all that knowledge with our audience. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Learning Capacity Podcast, brought to you by LearnFastHQ.com, delivering the world's best evidence-based solutions for learning since 1999. Head over to our website to read a transcript of the podcast. Go to LearnFastHQ.com, that's L-E-A-R-N-F-A-S-T-H-Q.com, and click on Podcast in the menu at the top of the page. And don't forget to subscribe in your listening app so you don't miss hearing any of the interesting discussions about learning, teaching and education.